Welcome back to Tropical Today Grand Live. I'm Christian Gray. Today's July 20th, 2013. And my guest is on the line right now. Laurel, how are you? I'm getting used to this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? Very good. We'll, um, sorry about the sound troubles earlier. I was going to do some announcements, but I think we should just get, uh, plugging away here. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Uh, can you hear me? I can. We have a good connection now. Well, I think it should be a really fun show. You've compiled a lot of resources as a moderator over at kinism.net pertaining to our cause. And I thought we would get into that and people who are in the chat room can participate and ask questions and we'll try to field those as we go through our show here. Would you like to just dig in with your introductory points? Yeah, uh, I guess so. I'm getting a little feedback. If I lean in too close, uh, I can hear myself talking. Um, so let me see um, here. Okay. Anyway, um, I've done a lot of thinking about how do we save the white race. And um, it, it's a hard one. You know, we could end up like the Etruscans. Everybody knows who the Etruscans were, correct? I, I would not assume so. Okay, the Etruscans, um, pre-Roman uh, civilization in Italy, um, they had a good old time. You can look at their monuments, their tombs, where they basically memorialized a lot of dinner parties. And um, just had a good old time and completely disappeared uh, from the face of the earth. Now the question is, is, you know, do their descendants live on, um, today in Italy? Um, and it seems that they don't, that they were a distinct civilization and why they died out, I don't know. But we could end up being a distinct civilization that's gone. Maybe mentioned a few times, um, and, you know, in history books and then on to the latest um, musician or uh, rap artist who is the really important person in history. Um, but there are other people who've been thinking about, well, how do we save the white race? And a lot of them, um, uh, what's the right word? They tend to err on the side of um, we have to fight against the other side. And I'm using the word fight advisedly, uh, not necessarily in a violent sense, but in an intellectual sense, um, to demonstrate uh, the why uh, that, you know, the European peoples are worth saving. And, you know, they'll publish a lot of articles on the internet or in print uh, that are historical arguments for all the accomplishments that we've done. Um, and I didn't think I'd say, um, quite as often as I am, <laughs> but, okay. um, you know, the benefits that the European peoples have created for the world. And I know there's a hundred million people out there who go, yes, but you've done negative things to the world too. But my feeling is that they're completely outweighed by the, um, 
benefits that have been given to the world as a whole by that peculiar um, combination of boldness and intellectual ability and willingness to risk that uh, the European uh, peoples have. But um, when people are trying to save the white race, they'll go down the whole list of that, you know, why they are worth saving historically, what they've done for the world. And there's always, a you know, a counter-argument that comes around to basically being, uh, well, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? You've been awful. You've given me Monsanto, which is no good for anybody. Um, and um, drones striking in my native land, whatever, you know, fill in the blank as to what your native land is going to be. Um, the why nots in their minds, um, you know, keep, Keep the whys out of uh, the play. Um, and some people, friends in particular here, I'm, uh, try to demonstrate the theological point of view. And I am not a theologian. I am a theonomist. Um, but I have some small knowledge of the faith. And, you know, a lot of people really are doing a wonderful job in many ways of demonstrating how uh, the Bible um, supports the ideas uh, that races and nations are independent entities because God designed it that way, and I agree with that, um, and that there's a benefit um, in being a European Christian race um, combining, as I said, that boldness, intellectual ability, and um, willing to take risks with doing it in a Christian uh, moral structure to uh, promote the faith and improve society. So a lot of people uh, that I know want to demonstrate the theological point of view, um, and that's that's great and that's fine, but... Um, there are many uh, people out there who will argue the opposite uh, to what we say. Um, and other people I've seen, they point out the errors and the dangers of being European and being an anti-racist. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking that um, there was a, a line from an old TV show uh, back in the 70s when I was, of course, an infant. Um, the line was, who loves you, baby? Um, and the, quest, the point is, is the people who love you naturally are, are pretty much those of your own kind. Um, you'll have friendly relationships with some people of other ethnicities and cultures, but um, that, what's the right word, um, lockstep, um, you know, you are my brother feeling comes with people of your own kind. So if you're a European and you're an anti-racist and, and you're going, yes, uh, we hate racism, we want to promote all the under... Uh, represented peoples of the world um, and we want to um, you know make things better for everybody who is not European 
um, doesn't really realize that they too, you know, each of those ethnicities has um, that lockstep, you are my brother thing within the group. So the second thing with that is this sort of like who doesn't love you? When they get all of your, um, what's the right word? When they get all the stuff they want culturally or materially, um, you're not going to be any different to them than any other um, white person. And that's not good. So that's, that's the truth. Um, and people point that out to people all the time. But it, doesn't solve the whole problem of trying to uh, save the white race. Um, you kind of have to forget about the whys and the wherefores, and yes, we did this in the past, and all the reasons, and, um, you know, all those dangers that the other side present, because it doesn't support us. Um, you know, Interacting with them doesn't support our futures. It doesn't support our children or in future generations because they're not going to change. They're going to support themselves. And um, then they're um, going to either A, get rid of us, which in some places is happening, like in South Africa, uh, or B, ignore us. And, you know, it is a waste of precious time to spend debating these people. Uh, it's emotionally irritating and draining and gets in the way of the things we really need to do. So um, I've got a question that I, I like to ask when I have a goal I'd like to accomplish. Um, and I'd like to promote the idea that, you know, people should ask themselves the, the same things. And that question is, what do I need to do today to get myself and my family and fellow whites to where I want us all to be tomorrow? Uh, or the short form, which is, what do I need to do today to get um, where I want to be tomorrow? And in this case, it's a little bit more universal. So anyway, um, one of the things I've done over the years uh, working over at kinism.net is to start and uh, collect a whole bunch of links so that people are able to access resources that will help them figure out what they can do today um, to, you know, create a, f a future for our, ourselves and our families and our descendants tomorrow. And, um, yeah, you got any questions before I get jumping into this? No, I'm looking forward to just jumping right in and okay and talking about these things. I want to apologize to the people in the chat room for the first <laughs> three minutes. They could not hear any sound, but it's all been recorded, and the podcast will make up for what they missed live. But you mean my dulcet tones have not been recorded for <laughs> all of modern history? Yeah, they missed all those racially insensitive jokes you told. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, jeez, I'm shocked. <laughs> I am so shocked. You mean nobody's going to call me up like they did Paula Dean and and say you said that word? That's right. You won't have to grovel to the Jewish media now. Oh my gosh! Well, hallelujah for that. <laughs> uh, well, quick review. 
people try to, um, you know, counter the arguments of the anti-racists uh, with all sorts of things. And what they really need to do is to um, figure out some simple, basic things they can do each day uh, to get uh, to where they want to be in the future. And honestly, I think uh, the reason some um, ethnicities um, have been successful uh, is because they focus on family. And they're not really necessarily thinking about, you know, the sort of things we're thinking of, but they're thinking that five or six kids is not a bad idea. Um, and they do the best they can uh, within their particular culture, and I'm referring to the Hispanic culture there, uh, to um, love and raise their children. And I think even though it's a completely different uh, culture and I'd really not want to be Hispanic, they do that right. They, they, they do, um, you know, love children and have plenty of them. So anyway, so the re- Back to resources, uh, one of the questions I have, you know, is what does it take to create a healthy white society? And if you go to, and, and I'm going to go to uh, the forums, um, ha- has everybody in the chat room been in the forums? I don't think so. We're, we were talking about kinism.net. Okay. Is there... Is there okay. a suffix to that? I believe it's slash forum. Yeah, it would be to go to the forum home. Uh, you would go to uh, kinism.net slash index.php forward slash forums, F-O-R-U-M-S forward slash. Or you can go to the homepage, just kinism.net, and I believe there's a link there to the forums. Yep, there is. Just click on the, the forums link in the menu menu bar and you'll be good to go all right so um as you can see when you look at uh the interface here it's it's your standard um bulletin board type interface and you'll see that we have general discussion forums and a research forum which is interesting but i'm not going to get into that today and then uh, if you go down just a little bit, you'll find yourself in the tools and resources area. And the subheading on that says this category of forums is dedicated to the collection of resources for the building up of the kinist community. And that's one of my main um, goals here is to make sure we have the information we need uh, to make those good choices based on, um, you know, the information that's available there and what we need to do. Uh, one thing I put in here that in my notes that I'm not sure I have specifically um, put in one of the resources forums is the concept that chaste living is healthy living. And everybody knows what chaste means, is that correct? Chaste? Chaste, C-H-A-S-T-E. I hope so. To be chaste. (laughs) You never know. Um, You know, people might say necessarily 
Um, you know, they might say celibate, but it's, it's a lot more than that. Oh, it's right. an attitude of chastity. Um, which means that, um, you are, you know, as your body is holy unto God, um, you live in such a manner as to promote the, the health of that body, which means that you don't have a lot of indiscriminate sex. You just stick with your husband, or if you're single, you don't do anything. Um, and the, you know, with all the talk about vaccines for HPV and Gardasil and all the problems with that, um, the people seldom uh, point out that you know, you wouldn't need that vaccine if people stayed chaste until they married, male and female. Um, a lot of modern health issues have a lot to do with indiscriminate fornication, basically, and uh, sodomy and a few dozen other weird things. Um so really the basic um foundation of anything that you want to look at with health um has to do with starting out chaste um and going from there. Uh, do you have any questions on that? No, I don't. You don't. Okay. Are you in total agreement? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, totally chaste. You're totally chaste. You're married, you're happy, you got kids, um, and you behave yourself. That's awesome. I'm a good boy. You're a good boy. <laughs> Unlike some of these rascals in the chat room, like Shotgun. Hi, Shotgun. Does he say anything back? Unfortunately, I can't repeat what he says. No, I'm kidding. He's <laughs> Shotgun! No! There's a... There's a a 30-second delay, so he hasn't responded yet. Oh, okay. He was looking forward to hearing you, though. Well, I, I, I know that, and, and I'm glad, and I'm, I'm hoping that he'll be supportive and not feel like I'm wagging my finger at him there. <laughs> He's a good boy, too. He's just not married yet. <laughs> so The day will come. The day will. I sure hope so. Yeah. I mean, he's intelligent. He's not bad looking. Um, he's got a lot of talents. Um, and if this sounds like an advertisement, maybe it is. If there's some young, lovely Christian European lady out there who respects someone who has all those characteristics and a slight romantic bent and more the intellectual romanticism, um, he's your guy. That's right. Any, any ladies looking for a handsome, intelligent Kenneth man? Go to Shotgun Wild at Heart. Is that right? Shotgun Wild at Heart. Yep. WordPress.com. Yep. And, um, grab we'll a get him. We'll get him married off yet. <laughs> Is he saying insulting things? <laughs> He's, uh, he says that we're calling him out. Well, because. We love him, of course. We're going to pick on Mickey next. Oh, hi, Mickey. You're not married either. Well, hi. We're just going to marry and, them all off right here. Hmm? Am I ticking them off one after the other? No, I think we're just going to marry them off. Right? Tribal oh, marry them, right? them off, oh, not yeah, ticking them off. <laughs> I'm probably service. doing both. <laughs> and who thought you and I would be quite the matchmakers? Hmm, I'm good at that, actually. I've, I've actually done that before. 
um, for people who actually stayed married for a good long, not forever, unfortunately, but for a good long. Um, so that after you long, long ago and far away. So um, once we have married them all off, they're going to want to make babies, right? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Um, if you look in the kinism.net forum under kinist health, nutrition, and fitness, the thread, um, there's a, a thread about making babies info for guys, which essentially has to do with um, male infertility and um, diet. And um, a lot of the Weston A. Price type, if anybody knows what Weston A. Price is, um, dietary regulations, um, seem to help sperm quality, but always there's, um, you know, more, a little more meat, a little more dairy, especially cultured foods, and, um, that helps, um, the quality of the, you know, what, and, I, you know, now I'm blushing because I can't talk about this in public. It's not awful. Um, I type better than I talk, I warn you. Um, but also, you know, what kind of uh, clothing is better for that? And kilts are great. So, unfortunately, I'm still trying to figure out why the Scots have not reproduced enough to take over the world when they're wearing the ideal clothing for such things. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so are they mad at me now? They're mad at me now. No, I don't think so. I, yeah, I, uh, I think they want to know if you have anything to, anything to say about ovaries now. About ovaries. Um, you can't just talk about sperm. Yeah. Marry someone who has them. <laughs> Unfortunately, with women, the quality of the egg is pretty much determined um, when they're a fetus, when they're in utero. And so that depends a great deal more on the diet and health of the mother. Because once you're, um, you know, born, uh, what you got is what you've got. You've got a certain number of eggs in your in your ovaries. Um, your, um, menopause date is actually genetically determined. And that's something I just found out recently. Um, and you know, you got what you got, but guys, there's a lot more variables. Of course, having a good diet while you're pregnant contributes to the, you know, maximum health of the babies. So, um, we're going to do that. But anyway, so we got through marriage, we got through making babies. Um, but are we going to vaccinate those babies? Yeah, I think we need to get, get, get as much, um, mercury and formaldehyde inside. And yeah. M- monkey tissue. All that stuff should be in infants. Yeah, all, all the extra viruses and all that that, yeah, get in there. Yeah, there is a topic in, um, the Kinest Health Nutrition and Fitness, um, section that is all on vaccines. And it needs to be updated some. But some of the links involved in there, um, you know, our homeless people die after b- bird flu vaccine trial in Poland. 
Yay, let's kill off the homeless people by giving them uh, a vaccine that's supposed to save them from the bird flu. Um, and it's just vaccination. I mean, I'm going to say I'm middle of the road on it. I, I don't believe in uh, pumping 150 different um, vaccines into a kid by the time they're three. And I believe that's what's currently being done. Um, you know, I do think that certain basic ones that are really, you know, if there's really a real threat of the disease as opposed to a, it would be nice if nobody got cervical cancer, which is the thing they're operating on with HPV. Um, you know, there, there's essentials and then there would, there's would be nices. But I, I do think quality control is, is very important. And again, it's bet if, you know, you have the option to not vaccinate your children and that's your choice or minimally vaccinate on say the 1985 vaccine schedule, which was uh, a lot simpler. Too much stuff hitting, you know, a tiny person's, um, you know, immune system all at once and uh, not such a good thing. Um, if you look inside the um, forum there, you're going to see reference to the vaccine book by Dr. Robert Sears. Uh, he is uh, someone who um, recommends a very scaled back schedule of vaccines. Um, again, you know, I'm I'm in the range of don't vaccinate or just do, you know, the absolute necessity. But, you know, I wouldn't let my child, uh, male or female, take Gardasil, not ever. And I would ensure, if, if you look at um, another one of the posts there, that uh, I'd recommend getting vitamin D uh, rather than the flu shot. And I have done this myself in the last year. Uh, instead of getting a flu shot, which everybody says, oh, you know, with your career, with your job, you're in t contact with a lot of people, you need to get, um, you know, the flu shot every year. And, you know, I kind of nodded along and did that for a long time. But this last year, I upped my vitamin D3 intake um to about 12,000 units a day. And it's the first year that I have not caught something from the students uh, at all. Have not had a single bit of flu um, or cold or anything uh, this year. So I'm thinking, the you know, for me at least, the vitamin D solution uh, works pretty darn well. So, any of the guys or people in the chat room have any questions about vaccinations? No, I haven't seen any comments come up about vaccinations right now. Have, have they been eviscerating me in other ways? <laughs> well, I, I, uh, Kevin Allawine is looking for an eggless female. To what? Uh, Kevin Allawine is looking for a woman with no eggs or ovaries. With no eggs or ovaries. Yeah, he says, he says, um, anybody he over that, uh, 60, Kevin. Well, he says that his, <laughs> at, at his age, but he's only 52. 
He's a kid. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> okay, he so doesn't want to, doesn't want any more children. He thinks he's too old. I guess so. He's, well, Kevin, I don't know. You never, you find a nice, uh, lady 10 years younger than you and you might still be able to contribute to the cause. This is true. What does he say? What's that? What does he say? Uh, no, he hasn't said anything yet. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, the, the, the live feed is about 30 seconds behind you and I right now. Oh, okay. So they, uh, they get it just a little bit late. You okay. So. I'm sure you're going to talk about this in a minute. You, you mentioned that you don't have to, it's your choice to vaccinate, but mm-hmm. in, in, and I think most states, if not all states, if you do send your kids to public school, and mm-hmm. I know you're going to talk about that here in a minute. Yeah, Technically, I think you do. I think you do have to vaccinate, right? But you can um, file paperwork. Okay. Yeah. In most states, to opt out, like a lot of things in public schools, um, you can opt out. They don't make it very convenient, and some schools can give you a really hard time about it. Um, but you can opt out. There is paperwork available through whatever state you're in. Um, I don't believe that there's any state um, that requires everybody to vaccinate no matter what, you know, without their um, sincerely held um, beliefs. Um, so, yes, there is a way. You have to nose around and find it. And I'm looking here under the vaccination resources, and I don't see that where I have that listed. So that'll give me something to do. Um, yeah, my bad, folks. I, I should find out some more about that and post it in there. Maybe we can grab some of those links that you and I compiled in that private uh, social network that we're in. Did, okay. Did, yeah, didn't Where we, are we? I think we're um, some links in there. Oh, go back. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know what you're looking for. We're looking for. And, and folks, just so under as, the other, as Laurel's doing this, uh, we're going to try to post a lot of these links mm-hmm. on tribaltheocrat.com. Once the podcast is up, you'll see a little outline and some links to go to to right. explore. Okay. Yeah. This. This is. It's sort of like this topic uh, within that private network is very similar to the one that's on the public forum on kinism.net. Um, but we've got everything uh, to uh, from vaccinated children 500% more prone to disease than unvaccinated children. Um, more about the flu shots. Um, and something about secret government documents reveal vaccines to be a total hoax. And this, this one's interesting to me. It's 97% of children affected by 2009 mumps outbreak were vaccinated for the condition. So that's, you're just going, do these things actually work? And I think the answer to that is sometimes. And so it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you roll the dice and does it work for you this time or not? 
Uh, I do know people who will um, tell you that the herd immunity thing is a big deal and that um, you have to get 90-something percent of children vaccinated so that the 3% don't get sick. Um, but if you get a higher percentage who are unvaccinated, for some reason that makes the vaccinated children susceptible to the disease. Really? Yeah, I think that the more you look into vaccines, you see that they're really not safe and they're really not effective. Mm -hmm. And where they are effective, you still have to worry about the side effects, mm -hmm. which are oh. myriad. And um, I, I think I'm just because our government is is united with big business. There are interests at hand that are unseen at first, and I, I really think it's about population control. Myself, mm -hmm. it can affect uh, sterility um, and, and fertility. A, uh, um, a, a a neutral position would be for the doctors to provide the science and then let us make the choice. But instead, they're very um, they're very aggressive about it. You take your child in to get a, um, mm -hmm. you know, something, get get your child's toe looked at, and the first thing they want to know is, is your child caught up in all their immunizations? Right. It's, they have a very aggressive agenda they follow, and it, mm -hmm. it's it's more it has it has to do more, um, it has to do with more than just their health. Mm -hmm. but I'll let you continue. I uh, know. I I was just thinking about how, um how financially driven that is. Um, and I don't have the figures on this, but uh, I've read in various places, you know, the, you know, how the vaccine company, the companies that produce vaccines um, get a lot of money in addition to the sales of the vaccine from the government. Do you, have you seen the statistics on that? I have not. No, I, I've seen them somewhere, and I've forgotten where. And I didn't put them somewhere where I could find them. Um, but it seems as if they get their money from two different directions, from the government and from the people buying the vaccine and their health insurance companies, whoever's doing the paying. But anyway, I do like um, Dr. Tenpenny's uh, website. She's an anti-vaccine, um, you know, sort of missionary. And, you know, her her work is very good on the scientific level, and she always has the um, numbers to back up what she's talking about. And I think her website's drtenpenny.com, which is, also in the vaccine section in the forum we were discussing. Um, now, autism, you know, that's a real, when, when you get into vaccines and autism, it's a, it's a real dicey situation because there is uh, such a thing as a genetic component to autism where the, um, Two parents who are very good and interested in math and technology um, mate and have children, and they have like a one in twenty-two 
incidence of autism or autism spectrum disorder uh, in the kids, which is why uh, Silicon Valley in California has a very high autism rate among children. So my thought on that is if you combine a challenge to the immune system with vaccines and the thimerosal that's in the vaccines, which is a mercury preservative, um, you know, there, there, it probably just pushes it right over the edge. Quick question for you from the chat room before we plug on. Uh-huh. Do you know if there's any known connection with vaccines and autoimmune diseases such as type 1 diabetes? Type 1 diabetes, I have not heard anything about with vaccines. Um, in fact, you know, I'm thinking back over my reading, and that's an area I really have not seen addressed. But I didn't know that type 1 diabetes, juvenile diabetes, was an autoimmune disease. Um, so that's a question I would have to look up. Okay. See, um, there's other, you know, autoimmunes, uh, that it, you know, vaccinations could certainly affect, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, fibromyalgia. Um, I believe there's a vaccine link with fibromyalgia for sure. Um, so anyway, um, Questions? Who, who? I'm curious who who was asking that one. I think that was Lazarus. Hi, Lazarus. How are you? Oh, now I'm looking at the um, vaccine thing again on the private forum, and I'll put this out on the other one as well. Um, the 1918 Spanish flu. Um, you know, I actually know a family member who survived that. She was a, a child at the time. Um, you know, this article claims that people giving aspirin to uh, people who had that flu in 1918 um, produced a higher death rate. And that um, a separate article I saw a while ago said that um a baking soda regime, if you start that at the first sign of a uh, flu, uh, will reduce the incidence of it. And I'll post that on the website, uh, on the kinism.net forum at some point as well. Okay. So, um, but it's interesting about the aspirin. I, I am not a fan of aspirin. I've seen too many old people, and because I know a ton of really, really old people, um, who are taking aspirin and the baby aspirin dosages, um, supposedly for their hearts. And you look at the skin on their arms and they're mottled with, um, red, purplish, horrible, uh, bruises from any kind of tiny impact on the skin. And, um, the, one person I, I know, the one who uh, survived the flu epidemic, um, used to take that aspirin, and her arms were just red, ugly, mottled all the time. Uh, and um, there's no indicator of heart attacks in, in that family, so they discontinued it. 
And within three weeks, the normal color of her arms was back. So, yes, that's anecdotal information. Yes, it's just from observation. Um, but, you know, it's definitely, you know, something to think about. If you don't have a real problem uh, with your heart, it's probably better not to do the baby um, aspirin uh, type of um, treatment or prevention. Okay, everybody knows uh, back, back to kinism.net here. Um, Everybody knows I'm a big fan of natural foods and supplements. Even with those, you have to be careful. Um, one form of a vitamin uh, or uh, nutrient can work really well with somebody's genetics and yet have to be a completely different form to work uh, with another person's genes. Um, and I'm, right now I'm thinking, because this is a personal issue, um, MTHFR mutations in, in the uh, genes, um, where instead of uh, folic acid, in my case it will be better to take a folic acid uh, supplement that's not an acid, it's methylfolate, because of the particular gene that I have. Um, you know, so you really do have to educate yourself on these matters. Uh, on kinism.net in the uh, Kinist Health, Nutrition, and Fitness, you'll see a lot of individual articles. Um, one of them I think that's important is if, if you know the source of your vitamins, um, if they come from China, um, you really have no guarantee that they're not going to be contaminated with something. Uh, so it's nice if you understand where um, your um, supplements are sourced. I do believe in cod liver oil. Everybody groan. <laughs> I love it. No, no really? Okay, I'm, I'm glad. Um uh, most people, you know, just completely run away because of the taste. Um, I rely on it. Uh, it really um, makes a big difference in joint pain. And it's a traditional food for the culture I come from, uh, which is Scandinavian. And, um, you know, they've been fermenting cod livers since they first figured out how to get the fish out of the ocean, I think. And so it's a traditional food. Um, we're adapted to consuming it, and it has a lot more benefits than just taking a, a fish oil tablet or an omega-3 um, supplement. And recently I read that omega-3s are um, not so good for men you know, possible prostate cancer link, um, whereas uh, cod liver oil does not have that. So I think you have to have the, all the omegas uh, involved there. I, I think I told you earlier that uh, Lazarus asked the question about diabetes oh. 1, but I believe yeah. upon further review that that is the one and only Wheeler McPherson. Oh, hi. I think. Hi, Wheeler. Maybe I'm wrong about that. 
but uh, somebody in the chat room. Somebody in the chat room. Hopefully I, I, you don't have anybody uh, you know who has to deal with that horrible, yeah. horrible disease. Um, I have known several people, not in my family, but who have had it over the years, and there's nothing more sad than to see a beautiful yeah. young girl have to give herself insulin so she can eat dinner. Yeah, you know? I, I guess I don't know who. You no, know, it's uh, the initials are LM. I'm sorry, that's not Wheeler, but he is listening, and I yeah. want to say hi to Wheeler McPherson. He's the next guest on August third. Hi, Wheeler, be a- best writer I know. He's Yay! Great. Don't everybody else curl up and feel bad? But he is just fabulous writer. He's going to help me get that ADL hate map status in two weeks. All right. (laughs) I'm afraid I'm not very good at that one. (laughs) They'll they'll go, what did that girl say? (laughs) Um, Mainly my my whole goal with what I've done uh, on Kenism.net is to help people. You know, and I'm sure there's been plenty of people who are not necessarily European who who come here. I, I look at the uh, guest uh, numbers when I log on, and there's usually between 10 and 20 guests. And, you know, if the national security whatever um, wants to look at um, are you showering in dangerous germs, uh, <laughs> They don't have enough to do. I mean, seriously. Um, but I want people to be healthy. I want them to be happy and get married, to be devoted to God and to their family, and, um, you know, t- to make a future for those children that we love so much. Um, I don't want my kids like to be the last generation um, to be like the Etruscans and just to kind of vanish in this uh, beige ocean of um, humanity. Um, I want them to be their own unique selves um, and, you know, be appreciated for what they are. But, you know, I'll give up on the appreciation if we can just exist. Um, but anyway... Um, under spiritual and relational health, I, you know, even though I will be honest, I've had to work my entire adult life, except for a very short span of time, uh, you know, in the early years of, you know, my child's um, life. Um, but I really think that a mother at home uh, does more for, uh, the family than just bears and raises children. I mean, the, a really good wife and mother can, um, ensure the financial success of, um, their family, even if the husband, you know, is an average earner, um, but just by how they manage the money. Um, I know someone now who is, you know, family had two good incomes and property and all that, but because, uh, you know, the, the wife in that family was addicted to shiny things, new things, must have the latest this, the latest that, you know, they ended up terribly in debt and getting divorced, which is not such a good thing. Um, 
So if, if at all possible, if wives can, you know, look on the management of the home as, you know, a job. I mean, it is. It's a huge job. And, you know, if, if the husbands can appreciate them for what they do, because honestly, sometimes I think that's uh, where guys fall down is expressing appreciation. I hear dead silence over there. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk about this one. Um, are, we, are, we, are we... Can you hear any feedback right now on my mic? I heard something go... Yeah, okay. Was that, was that you? Yeah, it's me. Whenever I turn my mic up, it's so I... You hear that? Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. No, not really. I, I, I will <laughs> turn my mic down when I'm not talking. Huh? I will turn my mic down when I'm not talking, so you continue. Okay. You can still hear me, though? Yep, hear you good. And I, I love my microphone. It's a friendly microphone. It does better than I do. <laughs> so okay, as, now... Hmm? Go on. Uh, oh, as we move down the, the points of discussion, uh, we've talked about chaste living and natural foods and vaccinations. And I'm, I'm down at, uh, spiritual and relational health. Excellent. Okay. That's what I was just kind of working on devotion to God and spouse or family. Um, within what we have here on kinism.net, um, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm going, I don't know if I've really put a ton of things in here uh, about marriage. Um, but I've got a whole slew of things about parenting resources, agrarian and homesteading how-tos, and just a huge number of um, resources for homeschooling. Uh, unfortunately, I was going through some of them today and some of the links are broken, so I'm trying to, you know, update them or at least leave a note about it, um, you know, and, and kind of fix it a little bit. But most of them are still there. Um, but parenting, you know, if I stick my foot out too far on this, um, you know, somebody's going to jump on me and um, go, oh, no, that's, you know, too clingy, too attachment parenty. You have to, um, you know, start spanking them when they're small. And I do believe that every family needs to, within the guidance the Bible offers, uh you know, make the adjustments that fit their family. But when a child, in my view, is very small, um, they need to be close to the parents physically and to have their needs met, um, which when you're little means let's get that clean diaper, Mom. Um, let's do, um, you know, a little, you know, breastfeeding here. And breastfeeding is associated with, especially extended breastfeeding with uh, good immune systems and um, higher intelligence. And I wish I could figure out where that little noise was coming from. I keep getting 
I thought I got all the noises on the computer, but I, I missed one. You may have a a uh, browser tab open. Are you? Do you have the Tribal Theocrat live chat room tab open? Um, no, I don't. Okay, uh, I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> that's that's the problem. Um, you know, I closed out everything and just have a few tabs open here. Um. In the parenting resources, um, I've got everything from, um, you know, cloth diapering, which I am a believer in, and I'll probably get yelled at about that by somebody. But if you get a system down for doing it, it's really not that much more work than using the disposables, and it'll save your family a ton of money. And the kids little behind will not have, uh, the rosy red rash of misery on it. Um, so, you know, I've, I've got everything in there from commercial patterns for, um, you know, the cloth diapers to places you can buy them. Um, you know, again, um, if you have a strong connection between a mother and a father, your children will be healthier and happier overall. And I'm going to say that as a general principle. Um, you can raise healthy, sane children without that, but it takes a ton more work. And honestly, I think it's important that the the children see that you know, daddy loves mommy and mommy loves daddy, you know, in the affectional sense. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, anything more than uh, gentle affection, but um, it's good to be affectionate in front of the kids. And then you don't end up wondering whether they really like each other at all someday. Um no, that's that's sort of sad, actually, because I I have heard a lot of people over the years talk about, um, you know, they never knew how much their parents loved each other until after one of them died, you know, and, yeah, and then it all comes out. Um, I had that happen with my mother uh, recently. Um, I was talking to her um, and another person uh, about my dad, and he has passed away, um, and how he could be kind of a grump. You know, he was he was uh, sarcasm, finely honed sarcasm, um, smart man, but, you know, the tongue like a razor. And I mentioned something to that effect to this other lady, and my mom just looked at me, and she said, yeah, I know he wasn't perfect. And then she got this really soft look on her face, like a young girl gets when she's first in love. And she goes, but I loved him. I love, I still love him. I miss him terribly every day. You know, and and, and I'm going, well, that, that certainly answered my question, because all these years you wonder, you know, they lived together for over 60 years. Um, 
but did they really love each other? The answer is obviously, you know, at least from what I can tell from my mother and the fact that my dad took wonderful care of my mom, um, they did. And I think it's, it's nice when you can show it earlier. So the kids have a good model. Um, you know, God shows us his love. Um, we should show each other, you know, the human love. But anyway, um, am I getting off task again here? Let's see. No, I don't, I don't think you are. That's a really good point though about showing affection and, uh, showing affection with your spouse in front of your children. It's, they need to know what a healthy relationship looks like. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. You know, it, it just, even, even if you just, you know, if some, let's say wife is doing the dishes, and she, you know, really didn't ask you to help. Um, you know, just ask her, you know, if you could help a little bit. And a lot of times she'll say no, you know, because she's real efficient at it. <laughs> but she appreciates the asking. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely it does. Yeah, or um, or just, you know, a little pat on the shoulder when they're not expecting it. Male and female, you know, if it's... If someone's worried, male or female, um, you know, just a little shoulder rub, nothing, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I worship at your feet, oh, you are the wonderful wife of perfection, oh, 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 you know, just just an acknowledgement that they're human and that they're there. Um, yeah, that, that, that and, reminds and, me that after the show, I have to give my wife a foot massage because she has a sore foot. <laughs> it bugs you? <laughs> Maybe we can go past midnight and sneak out of it. Well, you know, certain types of foot pain are made worse by massage, but we'll we'll see, right? Um, Be nice to her, you know, just, just, and let, okay, and this is just a personal thing, that the happiest point in my marriage uh, was just, Points, I guess I could say, was going for walks and my husband talking about his dreams and his plans and hopes for the future. Because it made me feel as if I was part of the whole thing and, and that I wasn't just somebody who was, um, you know, going out and doing her work and just being, you know, working team. Um, that there really was something in his mind beyond where we were then. You know, that, you know, that, and that, that too is a very good point. I, I didn't get the best marriage counseling from our pastor who married us, but one thing he did tell us was try to make it a habit to take walks together. Mm-hmm. And, and there is something to that. And I'm not always game for it. My wife loves to go on walks, but I found yeah. that, I found that when we do go, it is nice mm-hmm. and it, it does help. Oh yeah, there, there's that that shared movement, and also the fact that you tend to let your guard down and talk about more serious issues when you're walking. And I, I love to walk, and unfortunately, you know, I have a little problem with a knee that makes it harder now than it used to be. But um, it's one of the best things to do for personal sanity and relationship sanity. Especially if you can paint a picture, like if you're a man, of where you see the family going, 
you know, in the future, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, you know, um, if you're trying to help the kids with a spiritual goal, um, you know, and maybe brainstorm ways of doing that kind of thing with your wife, you know, to help the kids develop and walk with your kids too, you know. Take the whole troop out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. She and I can't sneak sneak off by ourselves. We we take the whole yeah. family, and it's yeah. fun. I understand. Uh, it's a different stage of life. Yeah. You know, at now it's getting the troop together. That would be hard for me. Yeah. Um, it, it it stops. It changes as you get older. Um, you're like um a train, a family, sort of like a train on the track, and and it's going, you know, fast, 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 fast. And every so often it stops and lets somebody off, you know, and they're going somewhere else. Maybe they're getting married and leaving home or going somewhere for school or a career. And then at the, at the end of the, the line, you know, uh, the family line, there's just the person, people driving the train. And you could walk all the way through the cars and, and they're not there anymore. And they're doing what they're supposed to do. You know, they're, they're creating their own families. Um, but it's a different emotional thing and you'll, you'll recognize it when you hit it. You know, there, there really is, uh, a shift. So anyway. Okay. Earning a living. That's kind of important. Um, and I'm looking at the clock and I'm going, oh my gosh, I've only been on for an hour and I'm talking my head off. And that's still, you know. I, I told you. I know. Everyone thinks that they're going to knock it out in half an hour and then. Yeah. <laughs> next yeah, thing you know, yeah. it's, it's 90 minutes. Yeah. Then it's like, oh my goodness, how did I do that? Um, earning a living. Um, I idealize the agrarian lifestyle. And at the same time, I can't. Uh, I recognize that I'm kind of a crummy gardener. <laughs> and I kill the house plants. Um, the only animals I've really had any success with are cats. And, and I think that's just because they think they're raising me. Um, but... A lot of families can, uh, work together to, um, you know, do more of the agrarian thing. Even if you can't buy a farmette in, uh, Utah or Idaho or Iowa or, you know, somewhere where the agriculture is, um, reasonable, um, but you can, and there's, you know, a lot of things, and this I have not even put on the, on the website here under agrarian and homesteading how to's in the forums. Um, you can use the space that you have in your yard very efficiently with combinations of raised bed gardening and trellises and, um, you know, even, uh, tub gardening, you know, like, um, not container gardening, but like a little pond that you use with the kind of, uh, tub that they water cattle with. Um, and I'm thinking that in the future, 
much as I would like to move out into the country somewhere, please note the move. You know, we have the cow. Anyway. Um, nice pun. Yeah, I'm, I'm silly sometimes. Um, we can use whatever bit of land we have more efficiently uh, and create more of our own food because with Monsanto um, guiding the way, I'm, I'm not sure how many of us are going to be left to talk about it. You know, I'll be round up to, out of existence. Sorry, I had to get a drink of water there. But, um, you know, I have a lot of um, resources that I like. I, I'm very fond of uh, Backwoods Home magazine. I uh, don't have a similar uh, political philosophy to them, but their information is fantastic. Um, there's um, something called Resilient Communities, which is on the web. It's not in the forums yet, um, but if you uh, get on their mailing list, um, they will send you all sorts of information about how people are creating um, more energy independence, food independence, water independence, um, without necessarily having to move from wherever they're living in the suburbs or whatever off to, you know, the hills of Virginia or wherever. Um, and I, I, and this is just me talking here. If you're so far apart from other people, you know, like if you're in a farming country where people have hundreds of acres of land and their farm and all, and the lady of the house has seven or eight kids, they'll get lonely for other female company. And the small towns of the, you know, early years of this century and the latter years of the 19th, not the 21st century, the 20th century, early years of the 20th century, latter years of the 19th century, were a pretty darn good environment um, to raise your children in and to get to know uh, families well um, through your church, through the neighborhood, you know, and, and maybe your kids would marry Sally from down the street rather than um, Elizabeth that they met online. And the families would be good with that because they known Sally's parents and grandparents, and they know that they're a solid family. And, um, you know, they're committed to staying in the same area. Because if you don't have a community, and one thing, you know, much as I love the Internet, and it's brought me in touch with like-minded people, um, there's not like a geographic point where Kenneth's families kind of gather together in a small-town environment, you know, and do the healthy community thing. So... So that's my complaint about the internet for the day. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I, I, you and I talked a few days ago or last night even about how 
we can just really need um, each other in real communities because online relationships just aren't the same. And as you mentioned with with women in particular, there's that social dimension that needs to be met. Mm-hmm. And it's it's difficult when all your companions or and the people you work with and the people you go to church with, they're in, in some senses they're they're the enemy and that they're they're against our message of mm-hmm. of racial of racial solidarity and. Right. Um, we, we need friends and companions who are like us to encourage us. It gets, it gets old after a while being called a racist or I can yeah. imagine, I can imagine children don't like to be told that their father is this or their mother is that. We right. need to have that real, um, real life encouragement. So like a small town yeah, or a small town. Just, yeah. And some See, people have more of it than others. I, Mm-hmm. I personally don't. I know some of us uh, do live near each other. Mm-hmm. And and some live near people who are not necessarily of our religious persuasion, but close enough to be to to have uh, a good feeling about each other. Yeah. You know, because we share they share the um, racial attitudes and and knowledge, yeah. um, and that's good. But I was thinking about um, this um, older, well, she's dead now, but older lady I, I knew um, who um, she and her husband raised their family in a small town and their church um, had like a uh, canning kitchen, you know, like a commercial kitchen, you know, which is bigger than any of the families had. And they, they, the women could get together when, you know, the produce came in and, and do that. And then there's, um, another person I know who has helped people in her area, um, process like a hundred chickens, you know, um, that they've raised, you know, um, so, and the socializing happens over the task. And I think that's healthy, and I think that's normal. And, um, yes, it's a lot of work, but, um, you know, if you can say 20 jars full of uh, good beef stew or, or uh, chicken cacciatore or whatever, um, and you have those sitting on your shelf and you need a meal in a hurry, you know, how much time does it take you to open that up and heat it up? And, uh, there you go. There's your convenience food. So I'm thinking there's, you know, a fair bit of, um, payback for the effort that's been, um, expended with the, you know, like communal canning. Um, I, I am not Mormon. I do know some Mormon people. Um, they have canning facilities, at least in, you know, one in a, a city area, a town area, where, um, you know, their members can go and, and can foods in a commercially licensed kitchen so that they can do it in huge quantities. And, um, you know, that's, you know, I, I think Mormon theology is just kind of like, really? Your husband's going to be God of his own planet someday? But, um, but they do some very practical things very well. And, and that sort of provision of food is one of them. 
Um, I don't know about some guys, you know, if they got to be God of their own planet, nothing would work. You know, if they can't make the garage door work, you know, maybe they shouldn't be trying to get the sun to come up and the moons to go around the planet in time. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, Hope there's no Mormons out there thinking I'm digging at them. Um, Mormon, there's a really good, well around the subject. They, the LDS church has put together a nice survival guide. Yeah, and, I know I have it. Yeah. Yeah, I it's very that. good. Very well done. They're also amazing on genealogy. Oh yeah. But that's because they want to, um, baptize grandpa for you. <laughs> that's right. But still, I will take advantage of it no matter what their motivation was. Um, because, you know, I, it's good. It's well done. <laughs> I give them credit for a lot of things. Uh, family, food, genealogy, um, preparedness, um, really good. Theology, not so much. Um, yeah. The Reformed face, theologically very good. The other areas, not so much. Um so that means we need to figure out a way to do that. Um, you know, I'm a great fan of stealing good ideas uh, from people whose beliefs I might not share. Um, but if uh, some in the Christian kinist community wanted to do more along the lines of, you know, commercial kitchen uh, canning and, Prep, food preparation. I think that would be very wise for them. Um, then there's the issue. If we go back to, uh, kinism.net, um, when you're earning a living is do you go to college? You know, do you send your sons or daughters or both, uh, to college? And, um, there's a lot of online. Um, excuse me, um, references for, uh, classes, uh, these days as the internet is like a cornucopia of things that can be both good and bad. The hardest part for a parent, let's say you're picking online college classes for your kid, helping them pick their classes is being able to screen it for the politically correct crud that seems to inevitably creep in. You know, it's like, especially any social science class, any history class, um, and I honestly do not have the answer to this at this point. Um, If your child goes to college, how can you ensure that they are not um, being fed a, a pile of you-know-what, uh, the steaming brown stuff. And, you know, there's some, some places, I think there's a website, and I'm not sure if I have that in here, but it should be indoctrination.org, I think it is. Let me just check. Where are we? Oops, spelled it wrong. My bad. I think it might be indoctrinationmovie.com. No, that's the movie. This oh. is something else. Okay. This is, 
This is a... Um, That's a good movie, by the way. A good documentary. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. It was also... I, I bought the Kindle version of the book, and uh-huh. th- that, too, is very good. Yeah, um, this was a place, no, this, that's not it. Uh, this is a, a website where students, uh, at different colleges can post, um, professors and courses that have bias in them. Um, you know, like if somebody is, let's say if somebody was a complete, um, communist and would not even listen to anything um related to conservatism uh in a in a college history course um they could post the details of that which teacher which college is not ratemyteachers.com or ratemyprofessors.com uh because those get into like just stupid stuff but it's more like you have to have a real solid incident of um, bias demonstrated. Uh, and then, you know, they'll let you post the teacher and the course in the school. And and I found that actually very useful at varying times. Um, you know, uh, just trying to decide what let's say I needed to take an extra class for a credentialing issue for my job. Um, you know, I could look for the ones that were less biased than others. And you know, not that you're ever going to be free from that. Um, I, I'm probably one of the kinists who has not homeschooled their child because I became a kinist after my child was grown and gone. Um, and I was going through a pile of papers from her elementary school years this summer and found um, an amazing amount of assignments that related to politically correct topics. And I'm going, was I like an idiot at the time? Because I I didn't realize it. I honestly didn't realize it. Um, Fortunately, it it hasn't had truly perverse results, you know, in in the kid. She's more liberal than I am, but um, I I was surprised. I was surprised at the amount of the assignments in the stack of paper that were politically correct topics when there were very few, um, you know, and the classic thing is like George Washington. Where was George Washington? I didn't see George Washington in there. Um, but, um, oh, Harriet Tubman, big time. I'm going, really? You know, <laughs> just... Anyway, sometimes you have to look back in retrospect and recognize you made mistakes in your life, and... You know, some of those mistakes you can't go back and fix. So it's better to work on not making them in the first place. Are Am you, I correct? Are you sipping bourbon there, Laurel? Or are you I, sipping I'm scotch? sipping water. Oh, come on. My throat is kind of, um, dry. You know, it's, it's teacher throat. After a while, you get hoarse. Right. Um, you get used to shouting and, um, especially if you're in a fairly large classroom and um, you root, you lose your voice 
you lose your singing voice. But anyway, okay, so college or not, a um, lot of good trades out there where skilled craftsmen are needed. Um, I am a big fan of um, skilled craftsmen. Uh, I was looking at some old genealogy documents and and I don't think anybody in my family was ever a member of the Masons, but one of my ancestors made a living as a Mason, you know, a home builder, um, masonry work. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Some people put their noses up in the air and act as if the only kind of acceptable career is one in which you use uh, that sociology degree you got. Yeah. Yay, sociology. Um, I'm being sarcastic, by the way. Um, whereas someone who can make a foundation level and even means more to me and my value system than someone who um, tries to fix the minds of foster children who should never have been in the foster system anyway, but got there because of the way the entire um, divorce court thing is screwed up these days anyway. You know, a nice, straight, firm foundation. The house is beautiful. Um, you know, awesome people. Carpenters, really good carpenters and woodworkers, awesome people. And, you know, plumbers should be told to pull their pants up, but they do a good thing. <laughs> okay. Are you laughing at me yet? I am. I was laughing with my microphone turned down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously... Um, apprenticeship programs, um, and like the electricians, uh, union, I believe does have one. Um, we're just working with your dad. And I don't know if, um, uh, Mr. Cottrell is online or not, but you know, what he's doing is a good thing with his son. Um, there's just so many things you can do. Um, that don't require college per se. And finding a good college is hard. Even Christian, well, sometimes especially Christian colleges these days are, um, you know, turning into contortionists trying to please, uh, the politically correct. And, um, you know, we have the most diverse Student body in our history. Yay. Um, yeah. Well, diversity is good. Diversity. It's our strength, and moral. And it's valid. It's good. <laughs> Different <laughs> kinds of screens and that. Uh, I'm not so sure in schools. You know, seriously. Um, you can't call it real diversity anyway. It's, it's, people are, they, they, they group with their own people. You know, it's, it's the blacks hang out with the blacks or with the white women if they can get close to them. Um, the Asians definitely, um, hang with other Asians and specific 
cultures within that, the Vietnamese with the other Vietnamese, the Chinese, and of course the Japanese are kind of universally ignored by everybody for on college campuses for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, probably just not enough of them. Uh, but the Chinese definitely hang out with other Chinese. Um, so, um, I've heard good things about Hillsdale College. I've heard College of the Ozarks is supposed to be good. And that's one way of going to college where you won't get a bill because it's a work study college. Um, you, you have to work your way through it. So if you want to have your kid come out without debt, um, that's a, a pretty good place. Hillsdale, I guess, has enough conservatism. I'm not going to say anything about liberty because I've heard enough. Um, you know, thank you to one of my friends who sort of opened my eyes about that school from his personal experience. Um, sometimes you can, you know, just go to a junior college instead of a, a, or community college instead of a regular college. Um, and that's great. You know, maybe you want to do graphic design, but you don't want to take on, um, the huge student loan debt that it would take to go to a place like Otis or Art Center or, uh, Savannah College of Art and Design when there's really, you know, not that many guarantees, uh, out there for designers. Uh, and you can get in two years, um, an AA and a, a specialization in design. And a lot of times that'll carry you just as far as getting the four year degree without ruining your, your budget and your parents. Um, Thinking for a second here. Don't mind me if I'm quiet. Um, on the website, back to tools and resources, uh, we have the world's, as I said, the world's largest group of homeschool resources. I have, I will not guarantee you that every resource that I put in here agrees with our philosophy. You know, um, but I wouldn't put the ones in there um, that I do without having looked at them pretty well and thinking that um, they're pretty useful um, for people who educate their children at home. Um, I particularly like oldfashionededucation.com um, because it's uh, all work that was done way before uh, the 50s. And, um, right about the fifties when I, you know, um, those of us who are older were making our way through school, um, was when things started falling apart. Um, there's, excuse me, a lot of the old history books. I've seen, um, an old Texas, uh, history book, state history book for, I think it was fourth grade. and it made no bones about, you know, the politically incorrect things in its past. I mean, it was just honest and it was happy to be Texan. 
you know, it wasn't like the, oh, mea culpa, we're guilty, we've done all the horrible things to everybody else, so could somebody please kill us now? Um, it was just, you know, this is what we did, this is why we did it, we did it, and we feel good about it. And I think that's healthy. So in an old-fashioned education, you'll find um, a number of those uh, things in the social studies areas um, and English as well. Um, there's, if you like Charlotte Mason, Ambleside Online is very good. Charlotte Mason um, is a, a was an educator in the 1800s. She ran schools. Um, her approach is using living books to um, get people involved in the education as opposed to just dry, boring textbooks. And, um, you know, it, it's a it's a decent approach if that's what you choose. And that's like the second link I have in there. I do not recommend Calvert School's um, curriculum because it's, like, let's get rid of white men, you know, it's like, hey, people who, um, you know, what's the right word? People who promote small minorities are great, and um, people who are conservative are bad, and I get tired of that. But Calvert is definitely um, not on my happy list. Uh, primary documents are a good thing. Um, you know what primary documents are, right? Yes. Okay. Would you think the average listener knows? Um, primary uh. documents are documents that were written at about the time of the, you know, era or the topic, uh, that took place. Um, they are not free from bias because people at the time had different opinions, but they're much closer to the event than secondary sources, which are books written about the event from a, a recess of time. Um, so if you want to find out more about um, early American history, um, there's a link there that looks like I did not do the link right, but um, it's a treasury of primary documents for early American history. It's a very good one. And, um, there's, um, I believe the Wayback Machine, uh, has the League of the South's homeschool stuff, um, archived. I have not checked that link. Um, but they had some wonderful, um, references for history in particular. Um, so if you're interested in, Southern History, uh, League of the South is good. Um, documenting the American South at the um, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, is amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's a collection of uh, primary documents. And if you want to find out what people were thinking at the time of the Civil War or before the Civil War, it's one of the best places around. Uh, all you have to do to find that one, I, right now I can't see the link in here, um, is go to um, 
you know, Google or whatever search engine you use and type in documenting the American South. And it's excellent. Um, can't speak highly enough of that. I've got a listing of free audiobooks. You know, I mean, you can educate yourself. You don't have to go to college. You don't even have to get an apprenticeship. You can just start doing something, um, you know, from scratch and look for the resources online. And I'm going to take another sip of water here, so don't think I'm having white Russians. That's okay. We know you're a teetotaler, Laurel. I'm not, well, I'm not a teetotaler. I just, I'm thirsty. There's a difference. <laughs> um, I'm just... For some reason, my family just never got into alcohol very much. You know, just every once in a while, and that's about it. Um, and we don't even think about it. It's like, okay, a little wine here, a little, you know, a little bit of um, brandy there. That's about it. But anyway, any of the guys have any in the, in the chat room, male, female, or, you know, um, got any questions about this area? Not currently, but if you have folks in the chat room, please do ask questions as we're yeah, finishing I love up here. Questions. Yeah, any Let's questions see. you have, um, Laurel can answer those for you. Hopefully. Whether you want to know about the meaning of life or. The meaning of life, I'm good with that. The yep. meaning of life is A, getting to heaven, B, making sure your progeny, um, you know, keeps producing more progeny <laughs> and they all got to go to heaven. Um, but they're their unique European self. How's that for the meaning of life? That's good. It's better than 42. Have you read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, that in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, these people, and I forget their names, have all these adventures, and they're trying to find this computer, this huge computer, that, you know, has put in all the knowledge of the universe and come up with the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And the characters get to the computer and ask the question, and the answer is 42. That's it. <laughs> okay. The big letdown. <laughs> but it's really funny. I mean, you have to read the book. It's actually a very good book, so um I highly recommend it. Um and it also is like you're expecting a big deal and then you get 42. But anyway. So, let's see here. Let's look for some more homeschooling Things we want to have um, resource, resources that promote a Eurocentric knowledge of history, which I've sort of talked a little bit about. But if you can find, um, you know, older the, the keyword here for a lot of um, history books is older. Um, even let's say you you're interested in Scandinavian history or, or why Sweden's uh, being the most successful country in Europe was dependent on having Gustavus Adolphus II as king, and when he got killed in battle, why Sweden went to pot. So maybe you want to know that and teach that to your kids. 
why, I'm not sure, but it's one of those interesting facts of European history. Um, you know, you have to look backwards in time in the history books. You know, sometimes I think I showed up on the scene in the middle of the 20th century and they said, oh, Laurel's here. We're going to make everything twice as stupid as it was before. Um, and that's what they did. So I, I, you know, as I believe everybody knows, I do teach and I teach in a public school. Um, and I've had experience teaching about every kind of human being that there is. Um, and that's one of the reasons I appreciate Europeans so much. Uh, their, their uniqueness, their, um, willing to take intellectual risks, um, their memory, good memories. Um, it's, the world would be a much duller place without Europeans. It really would be. Um, much as, you know, I'm sure every civilization has its high points, some quite a few less than others. Um, but, you know, we got to keep the Europeans around. I agree. Speaking of Eurocentrism, there's a question from the chat room from Kevin. Oh, he wants, he wants to know how and when you became a chemist. It was in the early 2000s. Um, I was, um, working in the schools, obviously, and, um, had a lot of the standard politically correct opinions and kept having them, um, broken in my face from my teaching, from my work. Um, because there's nothing that'll teach you about human nature than teaching people. I mean, seriously, I mean, you can work with people. And I have. And it's a very different experience. Uh, until you teach um, high school, um, you don't know anything about people. Uh, and I hate to put it that way, but it's true. Um, and I was also um, friends with a person who was heavily involved with um, Sons of Confederate Veterans and was finding myself more and more involved with, um, you know, the new, you know, the neoconservative, not neoconservative, um, neoconfederate ideas. And I was poking around on the Internet one day, and I found Little Geneva. It had a Dixie flag. <laughs> it had one of the, the battle flag, the Confederate battle flag on it. And I thought, oh, I think I'll look here. And, um, you know, I was, uh, rather offended by a lot of things at first, but then I kept reading and kept reading. And then I, I ordered a, um, you know, a, a CD of a lecture by the admin at Little Geneva and uh, about kinism. And, uh, by the end of that, I, f I was a kinist. He, he he needs to take more pauses when he speaks, but he the ideas were perfect. <laughs> oh, so the admin there did a lecture himself? Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. 
A speech, actually. Oh, I, you know, I think I've read the transcript of that. Yeah, I have. I have. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that's an outstanding speech. Oh, it was. It was. And I think many people in our movement are are grateful for him. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, that's just like yeah. the the linchpin of um, reality. You know, pull that out, and you know things start spinning off by themselves. That's true. Which is, which is you know good on some ways and not so good on others. And I'm very grateful to him for um, a lot of intellectual challenge and some very good jokes. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, then I started reading a lot of other people's blogs as well and, um, you know, started to write my own. And it's still sitting out there for anybody who's inspired. Um, I wish I was inspired to write more. You know, as I said, I write better than I speak. And, um, you know, when I get uh, an emotional charge or whatever it is that it needs to get me off my duff, um, you know, I can turn out some halfway decent stuff. But I've been so wrapped up in family things, I haven't, haven't done anything in a long, long time. In fact, you know, that outline, I'm <laughs> going, well, that's about it. <laughs> that's what I can write. So here we are. Um, well, thanks for asking that. Yeah, thanks for answering that question about your the origins of your your second awakening, as it were. Yeah, um, second conversion. Yeah, I, you know the the thing is, is um, my husband's um, career was in international business uh, and finance, and the school he went to pretty much specializes in that. And I had been exposed at that point, we were married then, um, to the upper classes of many cultures around the world. And it's a very different experience than it is to teach day-to-day the students who might have a second grade education, but oh, they're 14, so they're in ninth grade. Um, and the capabilities are very, very different from in, within the upper classes of those different societies. So, you know, I, I, I can see how they're segmented. You know, um, probably from what I, I've seen, the most segmented societies are within the Latin American countries. The upper class is pretty much European, and the lower class is pretty much mestizo. Um, and if they, you know, especially in Mexico, if they were a country person, they may have gotten two years of schooling, and that's it. Um, so since we do, you know, let's say they cross the border and they show up in one of our schools and we can't ask them anything, um, legally, you know, about their status and, you know, how many years of education you had before you get there. And then you're supposed to teach them on a high school level, uh, and the basic 
ability is not so high. It's, it's pretty rough. So there's a huge gap between the upper classes in different countries uh, and the average run-of-the-mill, the hoi polloi, um, you know, in the country. I thought it was very interesting. I, I was listening to the one Jamie uh, did with you on Orania, and he was talking about how some aunt, auntie so-and-so, I forget her name, was saying... Um, you know, the blacks were real black and the whites were real white and the colors, you know, were getting whiter, but that they were real easy to control because they didn't have a culture of their own. And that, you know, he thought that was maybe one of the goals of whoever, you know, the the puppet masters are behind the scenes in our society is mix them up and make them easy to control. And I, I would tend to agree with that. So, anyway, so I don't, Jamie's probably not on in the chat room because he's asleep like, you know, all good people in Europe are. Um, but anyway, so try and, you know, back to, back to resources, you know, try and find resources that promote a Eurocentric or America-centric, uh, knowledge of history. Um, if you want to think about the Charlotte Mason technique in the living books, um there's a lot of wonderful authors in the um you know romantic nationalism hi scott um you know um idea and um you know sir walter scott and all that um who can awaken the emotional commitment to a particular culture like ours. Does that make sense? When you're young yes. and you, you, you know, you want to have a connection to who you are and where God put you in this time and place. Um, when I was 10, I was addicted to reading Ivanhoe over and over and over again. Um, and I still have that book. It's pretty much worn out and moldy at this point, but I still have it. Um, you know, just the whole chivalric ethos and the um, idealization of, you know, like Rowena and all, um, you know, it, it awakened a feeling to me for the European knightly you know, uh, concept. So if you can find books for your kids that hook into those tendencies, um, to, to want to be European, not just, oh, hey, I'm a white kid, you know, um, boring, boring white kid, no culture of my own, no nothing. Oh, it's right that somebody can beat me up. You don't want that. You want someone who sees and feels. And yes, I, I know the intellectuals in the crowd are going, but you have to analyze. And, and, you know, there's no place for that romantic nationalism. Um, I would tend to say that there's a huge place. And part of it is in childhood. 
um, you know, to encourage the kids to truly love what they have. You know, if, if you don't love it, it doesn't mean anything to you. Um, I like Japanese animation this, you know, reasonably well. Um, when I look at it, it's not very Japanese. You know, it, it's very westernized. It has Japanese traits in it, but it's been very westernized. Um, from my taste, if I was looking at things from the Japanese perspective, I prefer the more traditional Japanese um, art and entertainment um, rather than the anime um, stuff. You know, again, you know, I, I think the anime thing is a uh, something that has encouraged a lot of cross-cultural communication between America and Japan, and I have mixed feelings about that um, because it's, it's the link rather than appreciating the two separate and different things. Um, so anyway, so that's my theory on that. Um, excellent basic skills are important. Don't give a kid a calculator until they hit, um, you know, high school. Um, and then maybe give them a slide rule before you give them a calculator. I love calculators. I'm not very good at math. But as a group, when I was younger, people were better at doing math um, in their heads and I've got a few books from the 1930s um, that can teach you all sorts of tricks for doing math in your head um, quickly, you know, and without a whole lot of pain. Um, so I would certainly try and get excellent basic skills. Um, grammar, um, sentence structure, um, understanding the purpose of a sentence. Um, there is a method of um, teaching um, grammar while you teach writing. I think it's called the Shirley, S-H-U-R-L-E-Y technique, and I think I have a link for that in the, um, you know, uh, homeschool resources. They do have a homeschool um, curriculum. It costs. That's the big problem with that. Um, but it teaches you how to do the parts of speech uh, using jingles and motions on the board so that it's easy to remember. Um, I think that's a very um, useful um, tool for teaching um, writing and grammar and sentence structure. Christian Kinnis worldview. Well, cough, cough, Bobby Lee Swagger, and I need to sit down some more and, and come up with some more um, curriculum on that front. Uh, we have started. It's going to take a while, like a long while. But, um, you know, I think it's an important thing to have. All the good theological material that... Um, the, the great minds among us have come up with, and we do have some absolutely incredible minds among us, and um, needs to be funneled into um, 
techniques for getting it across to the children. And we're not there yet. So thinking about it, working on it. Someday I will retire and plan on working on it some more at that point. Um, also, I'm getting up towards the end of my, um, what do you call it, my little outline here, where traditional crafts and skill, ways and skills. Um, can I speak up for penmanship? Sure. I find it miserably hard to read what passes for handwriting in most high school students today. Um, they need to start out with cursive and stay with cursive. Um, I haven't put it in yet, but um, I've got a whole uh, resource for um, Palmer Method which is some of the prettiest uh, handwriting you'll ever see. It's a form of cursive that was popular in the early years of the 20th century. And if you ever meet a person who's almost 100, um, who's learned how to handwrite with Palmer Method, um, they will have the most graceful, beautiful handwriting, even as they're very, very old. Um, so... It also, when you handwrite, like when you handwrite notes uh, for a lecture, let's say you're in a class with a teacher or your mom or your dad teaching you, um, it's ever so much better to handwrite your notes because it forces the knowledge into your brain cells in another way. Okay, you listen you know, your mind um, hears and then you have to condense it um, or, um, you know, write write it out in a somewhat shortened fashion. Um, so it makes the brain cells um, work and, and working brain cells are a good thing. I think people, when they take notes on the computer, and I'm guilty of this, I'll take notes on the computer, um you you forget it more quickly handwritten notes people um you know tend to remember uh the the subject better you know i, I don't know who all's left in the chat room if they've all gone home and and run away uh at this point but maybe they might ask you know, answer for me if they have taken notes by hand or in the computer and which uh, way is better. Can you ask them or? Yeah, well, they. Are they there? Yeah, they're, or, they're, everyone's still there. I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking from my own experience because I take a lot of notes at work. I interview a lot of uh, mm -hmm. people and I, I go back and forth. I, sometimes I just grab a pad. And head to the meeting room and jot down notes. And other times I, I just grab the laptop. I can't say which one is more effective for me. Okay. I, I can tell you it's a lot easier to read my writing when I type it because I yeah. don't have the best okay. penmanship. Well, a, a lot of people. How old? Are, well, you're in your 30s, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you kind of hit as as kids the end of teaching good penmanship time in school. 
Um, did you learn cursive? I did, but I haven't used it since, goodness, uh, maybe middle school. Okay. Yeah, it's been a long time. Do you, when you write, do you print or do you, com- do you do a combination of print and cursive? I think it's a combination. Okay. Because um, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, I had perfect cursive, and then I decided I wanted to be arty and, you know, make it look a certain way. And so I combined it, and um, sometimes it's more legible than others. Um, I do work at making it legible, but I do know that I remember things uh, better when I handwrite it. But then again, you're you're taking notes in meetings, and that's a different kind of memory from trying to learn a subject, don't you think? It's just like, okay, what are we going to be working on today, or, or what is this person saying about this? I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. wondering. No, I, I think it is different. Uh, regarding when I when I take notes and study for a topic, mm-hmm. I I. I generally always type it out because I mm-hmm. I have to look at it over and over. Right. I have to save it and look at it on my mobile device when I have a few minutes and look at it at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, send it to a friend, write an article about it. That's that's how I learn is by reading then writing. And rewriting, yeah. Did you ever take Cornell notes? I don't know what those are. Um, Cornell notes... Um, Basically, it's a way of dividing up a sheet of lined paper. Um, you just take your pen before you take any notes, and you draw a line about um, a quarter of the vertical line, a quarter of the way across the paper. And on the right side of that line where the great bulk of um, the notes would go, you, you write your notes from whatever the lecture. On the left side of the line, you write, any particularly interesting snippets that you thought of or a question that you want to have answered or um, some factoid that was important so that you can skim the uh, left side of the Cornell notes really quickly and um, basically you're reviewing the knowledge. But, um, you know, you don't have to slug through all the you know, heavy notes on the one side of the page. Cornell notes is pretty useful. Well, that's thanks for the tip. I'll check that out. Yeah. yeah, you can actually get online and on one of the printables, free printable site. I know I've put several links to that. Okay. Uh, in the homeschool resources things, you can get free printables for Cornell notes uh, and just print them off instead of buying, you know, notebook paper and drawing a line. Um, but, you know, the uh, Cornell notes thing is pretty useful. Let's say you were doing an interview uh, for somebody and, um, you know, let's say the guy said, okay, well, in 1945, I was working as a police detective for Columbus, Ohio, and and we had three major cases of the, you know, year, you know, so-and-so killed you know, a little girl, um, somebody killed their grandmother, and then he forgets to put in the other one when he's talking. You know, in the Cornell Notes side, you might might write just, what was the third case? You know, and, and then when you go back, 
you know, and, and review with him, you can get the third case quickly. Um, it, it's a visual thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, we are at the two hour mark. You have one more point, I think, to make. Uh, last point. Craftsmanship. Um, do everything as if you're doing it to the Lord. Like if you're doing traditional, um, things like woodworking or making something, um, you know, think about the fact that, you know, you'll have to present it to the Lord someday. Um, and that the fine, only the finest and the best should be your output. And that's, I guess, that has been two hours, hasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Time I'm flies. <laughs> time flies. And uh, time flies when you're trying to explain things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, kinism.net, as we mentioned, click the forum button mm-hmm. to enter the forums you can register there I, I believe is that still register is the you you have to um contact okay that's the right there some changes well at any rate you and i will work together and get some links uh, mm-hmm. to, so we can post those in the tribal theocrat page where this podcast will be up probably monday morning okay so oh, people well, can happened. use that page as a launch pad for more discussion. Laurel, I want to thank you so much for not only coming on tonight, but for all the work you've done and over the years and compiling these great resources. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that I can help people. That's yeah. my main goal in life is to make sure uh, we have healthy families, children growing up, loving who they are and loving the Lord and and just being the best they possibly can. Amen to that. Okay, night. Good night. And again, August 3rd, folks, we will have Wheeler McPherson on to talk about some really good stuff, and we will we'll see you then. Okay, Thanks for joining good us. Good night.